You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, keys to victory as the 49ers will face the rival Seattle Seahawks in week eight press conference audio throughout the week and of course the final injury report who's in and who's out for week eight for the 49ers this football season will be different and pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers these passionate fans are the real generational talent that pepsi fuels because pepsi isn't made for those who play the game it's made for those who watch it pepsi made for football watching at BD Peacock is where you can find me on Twitter. You can also email the show LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Tuesday, we will have a mailbag as we have throughout the season. We're going to hear from Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala and maybe some Juice and Jason Verrett coming up here on the pod. But the injury report is first up, and we have a little clearer picture who's playing this week. We already knew that wide receiver Debo Samuel and running back Jeff Wilson would be out this week. But doubtful are wide receiver Richie James due to his ankle injury last week and Quan Alexander still dealing with a bad ankle. Uh, he was limited in practice, so did get back on the practice field Thursday and Friday, but still doubtful he will play Sunday in Seattle. Uh, Jaquaski Tart also doubtful with his groin injury. Jimmy Ward upgraded to questionable, got in some limited practices at the end of the week. He's dealing with a quad injury. Judging by the way the coaches spoke at the podium this week, though, I feel like it might be Tarverius Moore and Marcel Harris one more time Sunday. And the other questionable this week is Kentavia Street. Defensive lineman has an illness, didn't practice Friday. Mike McGlinchey and... Who else was it that had a veteran day? Jason Verrett, both uh, not injury-related, uh, missed a day of practice this week, but they're both going to be out there and playing. And that's the end of the injury report for the 49ers. We'll see if they get some reinforcements off of injured reserve, namely running back Tevin Coleman. And it's still up in the air if the 49ers are going to have any of those players. Those determinations will be made later this weekend. But it might be the Jamichael Hasty show which will be very interesting. I want to look at the Seattle Seahawks injury report really quick because it's quite large. It's, you know, with what the 49ers have dealt with this year, and a lot of the players aren't even on the injury report because they're on IR, but the Seahawks have a ton of players right now on injured, uh, I mean, on the uh, injury report. And there's a ton, of, a ton of them that were load management. So DK Metcalf got some limited practice in, as did Tyler Lockett and Jaron Reed, but those guys are going to play Sunday. But uh, the big one is Jamal Adams. And he didn't participate in practice Wednesday. He didn't participate practice Thursday. Friday, the reports aren't out yet. So I and I wanted to get this podcast out. Jamal Adams listed as questionable. Kyle Shanahan said he's going to prepare as if a guy like that is going to play. We'll see. He could be a big difference maker for that Seattle defense if he does play. But uh, as Corbin said, this is not a good path for him to play not practicing this week. Chris Carson looks like uh, he's listed as questionable, not practicing this week either with a foot injury. And his backup, Carlos Hyde, who we are all very familiar with, with his days with the 49ers, doubtful to play. He's got a hamstring injury. So, uh, and, and Travis Homer, their other running back, has a knee injury, not practicing Wednesday or Thursday. So this might be the Jamichael Hasty versus DJ Dallas game that uh, nobody expected coming into the season. 
And that's not all. Another former 49er, Mike Yapati, has a back injury. He is doubtful to play. And uh, this is a big one for the 49ers passing game. Shaquille Griffin, probably their best cornerback. He is now out with concussion and hamstring. I think the concussion is the thing that's holding him out in this game. And the other corner, Quentin Dunbar, uh, was limited in practice. He was just getting some some vet rest on a bad knee, but he's not uh, questionable or anything. He's definitely going to play. So a banged up group, especially that secondary, and uh, they were already bad on defense this year. So this is still a prime opportunity for the 49ers offense to get well, and it might be a week where they have to score a ton of points to keep up with Seattle's offense. So uh, we'll get into some keys to victory, what the 49ers have to do to make sure that scoreboard is in their favor at the end of this game in week eight. But let's hear from some players and coaches first about this game. There's some pretty good storylines coming in here. And um, I think one of them, the coolest thing I heard this week was, and I already mentioned Jermichael Hasty, how this could be a huge opportunity for him. He had an opportunity to go to another team. Another team tried to poach him from the 49ers practice squad and he said, no, I'm good. I'm going to stay here. He liked the opportunity with the 49ers. Here's how Kyle Shanahan tells it. And the best thing about camp this year was that people weren't going to do really good in preseason that had a hard time to make the team just because we had some depth there. Um, and guys aren't ready to all the time. And you like to keep them on practice squad until they're ready. Uh, the problem is other people steal them off your roster. And we didn't think we'd have to worry about that this year since we didn't have games. But your articles were written so well, we got nervous about it. The guy's been committed to stay here. Um, you know, we've expressed our plans for him. And, you know, the guy had to make a tough decision a few weeks ago whether to stay here on practice squad for another week or go to another team. And he chose to stay here. He believed he'd eventually get his opportunity. And we told him we didn't know when, but uh, it ended up happening that next week. So uh, he was ready, and I'm glad he's here for it. Those pesky beat writers hyping up Michael Hasty uh, during training camp got Kyle Shanahan worried he sicked PR guy Bob Lang on the beat writers told him to knock it off. And you remember in training camp, there was like this, this whole thing where they, they had to be a little bit more hush hush with their reports. Do you guys remember that this off season? I wonder if a lot of it revolves around Jermichael hasty and, and keeping that on the down low. So teams wouldn't be super excited to snag him off the 49ers practice squad. But I mean, if you're an undrafted free agent, is there a better team than to hear that the 49ers are interested in you? I don't know how the 49ers going forward under Kyle Shanahan could not get every single undrafted running back that they want they should have the pick of the litter when it comes to undrafted running backs and they should also probably stop drafting and paying free agent dollars to running backs i'm sure everybody knows the story dk metcalf this monster goes to the combine and blew it up and then all of a sudden decided to run the three cone and had an awful three cone time that was tom brady like and uh, the the internet went crazy about this freak of nature prospect nobody knew exactly what to do with him he had a neck injury, too, that cut his season short that year. It was redshirt sophomore season. He's still a pretty young guy. And Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers drafted Debo Samuel early in the second round. DK fell all the way to the end of round two, where the Seattle Seahawks traded up to draft him. And then just a couple of picks later, at the top of round three, the 49ers double-dipped at wide receiver. Jalen Hurd out of Baylor, the former running back who's missed his first two seasons now due to injury for the 49ers, I think it was a foregone conclusion. Most people saw DK Metcalf and me included thought, ah, this is not a Shanahan type. I mean, I loved DK Metcalf and he was my shadow 49er draft pick there at the top of the second round when the Niners took Debo. And that doesn't mean I don't like Debo. I really like Debo Samuel as well. But a lot of people thought it wasn't a fit for Kyle Shanahan and his offense with 
the style of play DK Metcalf showed at Ole Miss. This was Shanahan's scouting report. This is what he thought of Metcalf coming out of college. And uh, maybe there's a little regret in his voice. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he wishes he would have traded up instead of Seattle to snag Metcalf. You could see how big he was, how he ran, um, had the ability to do everything. Um, you know, in, in his offense a little bit, they didn't, you know, he's kind of stayed at one spot. He didn't get to do as much routes as he's doing now, so you couldn't see all of that. And he had some bad luck with some um, injuries, which, um, you know, I think made some people worried. Um, but it's, I mean, everyone sees now. I mean, he's as good as their gets right now, and he's been healthy, plays hard, and um, he's got a, a big future, which he wasn't in our division. More on DK, uh, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson, uh, this entire matchup Sunday with the 49ers and Seahawks. How is Robert Sala going to go about defending that passing game? Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I've talked about it before. I watch all day long football. It is my job, and I uh, take notes, and I watch every single game that I can, and then I go back later in the week and watch every single bit of games that I missed and stuff that um, I want to go back and watch with the 49ers. So I need a lot of refreshment Sundays. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. What is your daily wall? Is it mental? Is it physical? You need a little pick me up in the afternoon. You need a little something to power you through the back nine. Well, built go is exactly what you need protein with energy. My wall is usually someplace in between my first and my final podcast that I post every single day. And it's easy to break through that wall with built go. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like an energy drink without the same crash feeling because it's natural and it's better for your body. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Fast absorbing, gets into your system quickly, and it's easy on the stomach. It's loaded with good stuff to ignite your energy. Beta alanine, B vitamins, honey, and a little kick of caffeine. Go to builtgo.com. Use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. Niners defensive coordinator Robert Sala was asked how you defend someone like DK Metcalf, especially when he's got a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who's maybe the best deep passer in the league, making that such a deadly combo. I've always felt that uh, he's one of the better quarterbacks this league's ever had. That's just my opinion. Uh, I do think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame one day. Uh, I probably speak for a lot of people when I say that. Uh, the man is phenomenal. He gets better every year, uh, believe it or not. I mean, he's just his deep ball is the best in football. Uh, he's finally got the weapons to answer it. I shouldn't say finally. He's had them before. I know there, there were some growing pains there in the last few years, but now he's got uh, Lockett playing at a high level. He's got... Uh, DK over there to relieve some stress off uh, Tyler so he can free up. Their tight ends are uh, dynamic. Uh, Carson, uh, we'll see if he plays this week, but he's an unbelievable back. So they've got a tremendous amount of talent around them, and their O-line is, is the best it's been in a while. So 
uh, they're tooled up, and there's there's a reason why they're they're tops in football. And then, of course, uh, hats off to the to the OC Shadi. He's he's built a system there that that fits their their style, and uh, and they've got something going that's pretty good right now. So, uh, to answer your question on DK, when you got a big boy like that, it's you just got to play with great technique. Can't panic at the catch point. Uh, just know that he's going to try to muscle you and and and. Not necessarily go blow for blow, but if you play with great technique, great vision, and you don't panic at the catch point, we feel like we'll be okay. Sala obviously came from that system in Seattle, and he remembers back when Russell Wilson was a rookie and when he realized they had a great one on their hands at quarterback. I tell the story sometimes. I'll give it to you all. But uh, it was, you know, we drafted him. Obviously, I was on the defense side of the ball. didn't know anything about anything, to be honest with you. But uh, I was rookie minicamp, and... Uh, and I swear to you, the first time he threw the football, it was he was one of those guys that you just had to look at when the I mean no one was looking at defense, no one was looking at the old line, everyone was just looking at the quarterback. Uh and um and at that point I was like, Man, this guy's gonna be pretty damn good. Fast forward, we go to uh uh training camp and uh you know, he's just plugging away and every time he's on the football field, everyone's watching, at least I and I know I am, I'm just watching the quarterback. And uh Towards the middle of that first training camp, you just go to uh, dinner and he's just sitting there and all the old linemen are around him. The players, people are just gravitating to him. And uh, it was at that point, and you know, we, uh, Coach Carroll started him that third preseason game and he puts up an astronomical number for our standard at the time, uh, the Seahawks standard at the time. And, uh, and it was at that point we're like, damn, we got something special. And so it happened fast and but it showed his growth from rookie minicamp to the first game of the year. And then even that first year, I mean, the guy is relentless in his studying. He's relentless in work ethic. He's relentless in trying to improve every single day. And he's got such a positive, uh, aggressive mindset. Uh, there's a reason why he's had the success he's had. And uh, I'm not going to pretend like I ever thought he'd be a Hall of Famer, but I knew he'd be pretty damn good. Yeah, that was a crazy season. Russell Wilson comes out of nowhere, wins the job as a rookie in training camp, and they had just spent big money on Matt Flynn, who had a big season in Green Bay, and the dude never gets a chance to start. Like, Russell Wilson just shows up. He's like, nah, dude, this is my job. That, that was pretty crazy. It's impressive for a rookie to come out and do that. And for a team to sit somebody they just paid a bunch of money to. So that's how emphatically he won that job, and he's not looked back. I mean, Russ is, Russ is scary the way he plays and with those weapons and uh, seeing Lockett underneath and, and also making plays downfield and what DK Metcalf can do and uh, how much better he's gotten and, and more routes and involved in, you know, inside and outside now a little in the slot and both sides of the field and running different routes and even screen passes. He'll um, just beast people sometimes run after catch. So uh, it's a frightening team to play against. So Niners going to have to be on it in the secondary. They might get a little pass rush help. The 49ers made uh, a minor trade picking up Jordan Willis defensive end. Sala gives his scouting report on Willis and if he could play Sunday. We'll see how the rest of the week goes to answer the last part of your question. But, you know, coming out of uh, 2017, uh, felt, you know, he was a very productive player in college. Uh, a lot of speed, explosiveness, length, and all that stuff. Obviously, uh, we weren't able to land him or anything. But, uh, you know, just throughout his, his career so far, not to say that he hasn't been used properly because he, he's such a versatile athlete that you can use him any which way. Uh, you know, he's just going to have the opportunity to do something that he hasn't done. You know, he's played outside linebacker. He's stood up. He's dropped in coverage. He's played some defensive end, uh, uh, different than the type of defensive end. You know, it's a different technique that we'll teach him here. But, um, you know, he's going to get an opportunity to just let loose and, and get off the ball and rush the passer and set edges and, and play to the style that we play. 
and uh, and you never know. Hopefully, it clicks for him. Uh, but he's going to get every opportunity, and, and when when we feel like he's ready to roll, he'll he'll be ready to roll. So, yeah, it doesn't sound very optimistic that Jordan Willis is going to make a, a big impact uh, at least this week or any time soon. So we'll see if he's uh, able to get in there, and and we'll we'll watch those snaps closely, see what the 49ers got there when they traded for pass rusher Jordan. Willis, uh, one player who will make an impact, it's clear for the 49ers, is Fred Warner. Sala talked about what makes Warner so great. Fred is, uh, a million times now I've said it, he's, he is one of the smarter uh, players in football, uh, uh, especially at the linebacker position in terms of being able to uh, make different calls that uh, um, puts, puts a lot of stress on him to call to put us in the right call to based on formations based on uh different things that that we see from a formation standpoint all without disrupting his ability to recognize the formation recognize the dnd recognize the situation and still be able to play at a very very high level um you know there's always that fine balance you you could always go overboard we've done it with fred before where we put a lot on his plate it was last year uh thursday night football versus arizona we put a ton on his plate and to this day that was a tremendous learning experience on what that limit is for Fred. Uh, and so always communicating between the two of us and with D'Amico to make sure that his plate is perfectly balanced. But you can do a lot with Fred in terms of just, just getting people where they need to be. And on top of it, him being able to use all his athleticism, because he is one of the more athletic linebackers in football also, along with being one of the smartest. It just makes for a, a player who's got a lot of range um, and a lot of ability to, to man the middle of the field. You know, with the injuries at running back for Seattle, you got Fred Warner in the middle. The 49ers, I think, are going to do a number on the running game there, and Seattle hasn't tried to pound the ball and and impose their will like they had in past seasons. So it's going to come down to Russell Wilson. Can the 49ers cover the middle of the field? Can they cover deep? Can they limit those big plays? And uh, can they get after and then corral Russell Wilson, not let him loose and extend plays and extend drives that's going to be so huge because i think fred warner and and the rest of the crew up front is going to do a number on the seahawks running game here and the seahawks this is a different team they they come out throwing on first downs like they never have we got a lot from Salah here but there's one more i definitely want to play and he talks about javon kinlaw's development we've all seen flashes from javon kinlaw consistency has been a problem i don't even want to say it's been a problem but he has to work on consistency there's a lot of technique he wants to, he has to work on and i think there's uh, you know, a little bit more of a rawness about Javon Kinlaw than maybe the 49ers expected. And uh, effort is there. The talent is there. But Sala talks about what he expects from Kinlaw and how his development has gone so far in his rookie season since being drafted number 14 overall in April. He's progressing uh, like I would expect a rookie to progress. Um, uh, he is grinding through every wall that you can possibly grind through. Uh, the, we feel like he's done a really nice job in the run game. Uh, and obviously he still has a a ways to go to improve and all that stuff, but you know, he's, he's just got to continue to get better. It's not always going to be clean, especially at this stage. He's learning something new every single game. Uh, I think it was, uh, a couple games ago, uh, he had some opportunities in pass rush and, uh, a couple of them, we talked about it and he, he knew exactly what happened. He's like, man, I wish I would have. And it, that all comes with time and experience. And so for, for Javon, it's to continue, continue to stay the course, continue to find ways to get better. But what's encouraging about him is he's recognizing when he could have done better on a play, and you're not seeing the same mistake twice. 
And if you have a player who can recognize things that happen that quickly, he doesn't need to go to the film room. He just knows it happened. Um, when they're able to recognize it on the fly like that and make a self-in-game adjustment, you know that those players have a chance to be very special. And so uh, for him, it's just to continue to get better, continue to focus on all those little details, and, and he's going he's gonna to be a good one. I can mark my words on that one. Sala throwing it down. Mark his words. Javon Kinlaw is going to be a good one. And I don't doubt him. I think Javon Kinlaw is going to be a good one as well. I just wish it came a little sooner. They need a little bit more impact from somebody up front to take over some games. And look, the front's been good. The defense has been really good aside from one game, even without their best player in Nick Bosa. But you draft a player mid-first round, you expect some some serious impact, not just flashes. So I, I would love to start seeing some of that from Javon Kinlaw here in the second half of the year. All right, I got so much audio here. Where do we go? We're not going to get to all of it. I want to go to Jason Verrett, though. Let's stay on the defensive side of the ball, uh, how he feels about facing big receivers like DK Metcalf, and then a guy he faced in college, Kansas State versus TCU in the Big 12 in Tyler Lockett. Got to play big. Um, You know, he's a big physical guy. Um, He's having a hell of a season so far. Um, It's going to be an exciting matchup for us, him and uh, Tyler Lockett. Obviously, he's a different stature um, as far as with the explosion and his speed. Um, You know, you just got to play physical. You know, um, he's probably going to try to, you know, bully guys. And you've seen that he's shown that on film. Um, But, yeah, he's just going to be one of those matchups where the big boy pads got to come on. Lockett, man, we had great matchups in college. You know, I got tremendous respect for him. Um, Definitely a good receiver, shifty. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we, we had some real good battles in college. Brett is in for another battle. Uh, so is Tyler Lockett, by the way. Uh, that's going to be a fun one because I think on paper you would see Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley and say DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have an opportunity to go huge this week. I don't know if that's the case necessarily, and I'm interested to see how the 49ers defend that. More on that in our Keys to Victory little teaser there, a little spoiler what one of those keys is coming up at the end of the show. I want to hear from a couple other players on offense Juice, and of course the quarterback Jimmy G coming up. Niners fullback Kyle Juszczyk had some interesting answers at the podium Friday talking about, or maybe it was Thursday, talking about uh, blocking and blocking for Kyle Shanahan and blocking in this scheme and blocking for five different running backs this year. First, he talked about getting in, quote unquote, the zone as a blocker and what's what that's like reading people he has to block much like a, a tackler and a linebacker would have to read what a running back is going to do. I mean, for me, you, you always see I'm mixing up cut blocks and what we call climb box, um, where you know, you're staying up on the guy. And sometimes it's, little, it's, it's just a little bit of a feel and almost sometimes a guess on whether, all right, is this the time to cut him or is this a time to stay up on him? And sometimes you're just feeling it and you guess right or um, you, you can just feel the intention of the guy that, that you're blocking and how he's going to take you on. And sometimes it's just, it's just easy for you and it's clicking. Um, so yeah, you do kind of get in a zone like that, uh, you know, as you would as like a shooter in basketball. And what's it like? Does he have to block differently for which running back is behind him on now the fifth running back of 2020? It's wild to think that we've, we've gotten to our fifth tailback at times and it, it, they're still extremely impressive. Um, but no, honestly, it, it, I don't change up my style for any of those guys. Uh, I've said it before. There's a, a common trait with all those guys, and it's speed. And even the guys who might not run the four threes, um, you know, Jeff Wilson and, and Jermichael Hasty still play extremely fast. 
and they do such a good job of setting up my blocks. That's really the biggest thing, and um, I think the biggest difference in myself and other fullbacks is I'm not just trying to move a guy from point A to point B. I'm trying to make a move himself, uh, just with my aiming points and where I put my hat um, on his. And those running backs help me do that. They help stress that linebacker uh, and thinking, you know, whether we're going to take this to the sideline or if this is inside zone. And they understand what I'm doing in front of them. And they, they can help me make that block easier. So you can really start to see why Kyle Shanahan was willing to pay Kyle Juszczyk twice what any other fullback in the league was getting paid. And yeah, he can catch the ball a little bit and do some of the things, but uh, he's a really smart guy. And I think in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and I know in Kyle Shanahan's offense, the running game, like you want to have people who have a PhD in this thing. I mean, there's a lot of angles. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot to know about Kyle Shanahan's running game to do it well. And I think Kyle Juszczyk is absolutely a big factor of that. And I think it'll be a big factor in this game for the 49ers, not just as a blocker either. And there's so much being thrown at these guys on offense. It's crazy. I don't think we even have any idea. I know, I, I feel like I know, but I don't know, know what it's actually like to go in there on a Wednesday. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk talked about getting all of this thrown at him and how much actual new stuff there is, even at this point, every single week being installed for the next game. That's every week <laughs> that we come in and we see a, a bunch of, of new stuff that we've never done before. That that's literally every Wednesday. Uh so that's something that you just kind of get used to. Uh and originally it it was a little bit tougher, but at this point um you just have like a solid foundation of what we're running and then we just kind of tweak a few things. Um so it it's not as as bad as it used to be. So you you just kind of get used to that aspect of it. And as far as um my role and me kind of, you know, crossing like formation, like you said, and just kind of ending up on guys that you might not expect. Some of that is just reacting to the play um, and, and blocking who's most dangerous. Uh, but it's not, I don't, I don't go up to the line of scrimmage and just think, okay, I don't have an assignment here and just, just block whoever. Uh, I usually do have an assignment of uh, where I need to get to and then just kind of react from there based on what happens during the play. There's a lot for a fullback. What about a quarterback? Garoppolo was asked about that very same thing and dealing with a ton of new plays every week as a QB and as a signal caller. And you can see why it would take a while to master Kyle Shanahan's offense and not even master it. Just be ready for what's going to be coming at you every week from an information standpoint. You get more and more used to it, I would say. I uh, you know, haven't been in this offense for a while now. It's kind of just what you expect. Each each week's a little different. You know, Some weeks harder than the other. But um you know, for the most part, I think we have a great group of guys who, you know, are willing to learn that stuff. And, you know, it's not easy. It takes time and guys have to take it home with them and, and study it and get in their playbook, get on the film. But, uh, you know, with the veterans that we have on the team, especially offensively, just how we could uh, do all those things that we do, it, it makes it makes it a lot easier and makes us more dangerous. The last one here from Jimmy G. And this quote from Jimmy Garoppolo really leads into the keys to victory for the 49ers in Seattle this week. And one of the things is being in Seattle, being at Century League Field, which is one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. And it's not quite going to be that way this week. This is the 49ers' lone chance probably ever to roll in there and it'd be a pretty neutral playing field. I'll miss the atmosphere up there. It's one of the cooler places to play just with the fans and everything. But uh, yeah, definitely with uh, the cadence, the procedure and all that stuff, it'll definitely make it easier for us. So looking forward to that. 
And that is my number five key to victory for the 49ers to beat the Seahawks in Seattle. It is take advantage of that lack of home field advantage at CenturyLink Field. And I don't think the Seahawks can pipe in more sound either because that'll be pretty obvious if there's a huge roar of a crowd all of a sudden come over the PA, but nobody's in the seats. So uh, this is the time. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a vibe that Jimmy Garoppolo talked about that he'll miss, but it's a huge advantage, I think, for the Seahawks there. And they're not going to have that. And I talked with Corbin Smith on the crossover show yesterday. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. And he said, you know, I think by this time the players are used to it. Yeah, they might be used to not having fans there, but they don't have that extra bump either. So I think the 49ers absolutely can take advantage of that. You don't have to go into the snap counts when you're near the end zone because things are too loud or in critical third down situations with a a crowd going nuts. The 12s, as they call them, which is uh, sort of an annoying nickname, I'm sure, for 49ers fans. But and, And here's another thing. So it's bared out, too, when you look at betting. And I talked to Chris Raybon of the Action Network every Thursday on the Peacock and Williamson podcast. Go subscribe to that show. We break down the NFL every day if you are not subscribed. And uh, he gives us his best bets and picks, and we talk betting on Thursdays. And so far this season, it's only been about a half-point advantage for home teams, which is a ton less than usual. Usually it's about a field goal advantage that home home teams get every week, and maybe they're only getting about a .5 bump per game, which is essentially nothing. You know, it's it's travel, and maybe that's about it. So the 49ers need to take advantage of that. It's probably the only time that the Seahawks won't have some huge home field advantage against the 49ers. Key to victory number four for the 49ers to beat the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it's another thing they need to take advantage of, and this is Seattle's banged up running backs. Put, the, put Russell Wilson in bad down and distance situations. Make them too one-dimensional with the passing game, and they've, they've leaned much more heavily on the passing game in Seattle this year. It's like, okay, Russ, you want to cook? Well, now you're not just cooking at home and having fun and stirring a pot of stuff over here and taking a little dip and eating some over here and you got your little cocktail on the side and it's all fun and games. Make it like, oh, you want to cook? Now you're like a chef at this restaurant that's super slammed and you've got people waiting to get new tables and you've got to turn tables and uh, it's crazy. You've got busboys over here, people dropping plates over there and you've got a line of tickets that you can't keep up with. That's the vibe you need to make Russell Wilson feel if he wants to cook you know make them too one-dimensional in the passing game and that starts with stopping the run up front for the 49ers and then Robert Sala dialing up his his uh, signature blitzes that he's been you know pretty good at I think timing those recently and and getting after Russell Wilson a little bit and of course guys like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and uh, the defensive ends have to corral him and make sure he doesn't get loose and make huge plays on third down but make Russ feel the heat a little bit Which brings me to number three. After that, you still got to limit DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, which is not an easy thing to do. But look, you don't need to, and you probably can't anyway, shut them down. So that's not it. Just limit the big plays. Limit the explosive plays. Don't let them both go crazy at the same time. And I think they could take a page out of the Cardinals playbook last week. Tyler Lockett caught 15 passes for 200 yards. The Cardinals still won that game. So one guy can eat. You just can't let them both go crazy. And I wonder how the 49ers are going to go about that in coverage. Are they going to, and I'm sure they're going to play a lot of zone, as fun as it would be to watch Jason Verrett follow Tyler Lockett around, go man and man. You know, that would be pretty cool, actually. And maybe you could do that and then have 
Mosley on Metcalf, who did a pretty good job against him last year. Then make sure you have somebody over the top there too, just in case. Like I could see going to that at times. I just don't think that that will be the main thing the 49ers do. I'm sure we'll see a lot of zone, a lot of cover three, cover four, make sure someone's deep all the time over the top of DK Metcalf, and then just rally to the ball and rally and tackle Tyler Lockett if he's catching the ball a lot underneath. I think that's probably the way the 49ers will go about it for the most part. And one thing they could take from the Arizona Cardinals last week when they beat the Seahawks that I really liked is they would show like single high safety looks and then they would change that right at the snap and then it would be a too high look instead. So it would look like, oh man, okay, we've got, and Patrick Peterson followed DK Metcalf around and Metcalf was held to only two catches. He almost had the game winner in overtime on a little screen pass, but it got called back for a hold. But he was manned up on DK Metcalf and in press coverage sometimes. And you would look and there'd be a safety way off in the middle of the field or even on the other side of the field. And you're thinking, okay, they've got an opportunity to go deep here. And they're just daring the Seahawks to throw deep on DK Metcalf. And then at the snap, you would see those safeties rotate over and it'd actually be a too high look. And so you would have somebody over the top. And they did a good job. And, and Russell Wilson threw a couple picks in this game. And they would show a heavy blitz look, like a zero blitz, and then all of a sudden those blitzers would drop back into coverage. And that was the last overtime interception that Russell Wilson threw. So confuse Russell Wilson a little bit. Show him some different looks. Give him a pre-snap and then rotate into something else. That worked out pretty well for the Arizona Cardinals, especially in the second half of that game when the Seahawks only put up seven points. Key number two for the 49ers to beat the Seattle Seahawks in week eight. It is the offensive line. The 49ers need to give Jimmy Garoppolo the time he needs to throw for points if they need to. Are the 49ers right now ready to play in a game like they played against, say, the New Orleans Saints in 2019 and have this crazy shootout game? Because on paper, that's the way this look this game looks like it could go. Are the 49ers prepared to do that on offense right now? Is Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle good enough? Is his offensive line going to give him enough time? Because we've seen a really extreme short passing game the last few weeks. Are the 49ers ready to play a shootout and win a shootout? I'm not so sure they are. But if they are, and if Jimmy needs to throw the ball past the sticks, the offensive line is going to have to give him some time. And the offensive line played much better the last few weeks, although they didn't have to block as long. And I think there's uh, you know, a little bit of a, a give and take there with the game planning to limit how long those offensive linemen had to block because the, the line wasn't playing great at the beginning of the season. So do they have the confidence now? Can they give Jimmy his time if he does need it? And the thing is, you hope you don't need it because the key to victory number one for the 49ers to beat the Seahawks is keep Russell Wilson off the field. And that's the running game. And, you know, you know, it's, it's offensive line again leads into this. But uh, it's it might be hasty time. I think Jermichael Hasty's up to the challenge. Start him in all of your fantasy leagues. I think he could potentially go off in this game. And the 49ers offense, the best way that they can win this game is not to try to limit Russell Wilson or or stop that offense. It's to keep the offense off the field completely. The 49ers' best defense will be their own offense and keeping their defense off the field and keeping Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett off the field. And that starts with the Kyle Shanahan running game, Jamichael Hasty, the offensive line, play keep away from the Seattle Seahawks. That is key to victory. Number one for the 49ers to be victorious Sunday in Seattle. Uh, here's a quick note on what this game means. I mean, this is another huge game. I talked last week about playoff chances with the Patriots and the 49ers if they won or lost those games. It was a huge swing. Here's another huge one. The 49ers, if they beat the Seahawks, 
they have a 19% chance of winning the NFC West. I mean, this is a huge game. If they lose to the Seahawks this week, that drops to 4% chance of winning the West. That is a massive swing, a 15% swing if you lose or beat the team that leads the division right now. And uh, there's going to be maybe four teams with five wins after this week in the NFC West if the 49ers can knock off the Seahawks. It should be a fun one. I can't wait, and I'll have it all broken down for you Monday right here, Locked on 49ers.